So I kind of realized the opening to all of our shows are just, uh, I went shopping and have boring observations about it, but I think I've got some good ones this week. <laughs> uh, so I just sent you a picture and I, w- I want you to basically think of what are the two, uh, worst words you could combine, uh, related to food. What could you stick together and make the grossest thing possible? Uh, well, blazon is not generally something I want to see on my bag of food. Oh, I think you're skipping the the, the 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 food crime right below it. Uh, cauliflower pretzels mm-hmm. from the ground up. Is that the is that the company that makes it? Uh, oh yeah, that's that's not a good name. That's that's like, have you seen the brand? It's called Food Should Taste Good. Except all their <laughs> snack foods are disgusting. No. Um, yeah, it's, that's really bad. But no, this this show, we've had a long history of railing against cauliflower in things that uh, are not cauliflower, the vegetable. Do we? So, really? Yeah, we do. Remember cauliflower pizza crust and Oprah tried to make it a thing? Well, I, I remember that one time. Do we have a, a longer history? Was I not on those episodes? Maybe not. This may have been when uh, um, somebody was guesting. I can't think of a good one. <laughs> Dave Davies. I don't know if you listen to Fresh Air. That's a funny joke. Um, but yeah, this sounds super gross. Um, so the reason I bring this up is, yeah, so I, I had to, because I have to seek out this, uh, those Koya protein drinks and very few stores carry the cold brew, uh, variety. This is your new, your new Spindrift. No. Well, we're going to talk about that. So <laughs> it's very good just because it's only got four grams of sugar. And if you get those La Colombe things or the, the, um, what's the, what, I know I got this wrong last time. Uh, the New Orleans cold brew in in the little like um, third grade milk carton thing, the like those blue bottle, yeah, yeah, those have way too much sugar in them. And where the Koya stuff, it's it's like fourteen ounces and it's only four grams of sugar, and it's it's fairly not bad for you. So yeah, so I have to seek those out. But in the Molly Stones is one of the only places that has them, um, and it, it I am always floored by how expensive it is i say i should have i should have guessed that this was a molly stone this picture has molly stones written all over it is it the, is it the garbage prices or the bad or the uh, esoteric food items both or column a column b yeah <laughs> so before we move on because this is insanely boring uh how much is spindrift at target well i mean it goes on sale a lot i th- i think if it's on sale you it's like you get a do they come in some odd number pack? Is it like it's an, it's eight? an eight pack of twelve ounce cans. Yeah, and I, I want to say it's maybe like three to four dollars. No, so if it's regular price, it's five ninety nine. If it's oh. uh, on sale, it's four ninety nine. Molly Stones is nine dollars. Yeah, that's madness. And they only carry arguably two of the worst flavors. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. <sighs> very upsetting and also the koya thing which they they have on sale for four dollars and eighty cents which is a dollar thirty more than the regular price of sprouts or berkeley bowl it's very upsetting so four dollars and eighty cents that's for a single bottle yeah and a bottle is like a single serving right uh yeah i mean i'm sure you could parcel it out but yeah so you're kind of i mean you're getting into you may as well just go to Phil's at some point. Well, that's the thing where depending on how late I am or, or how uh, close I am, <laughs> um, it's you either grab, you grab one from the fridge or you do the mobile order at Phil's. 
I, I appreciate how you changed late to cutting it close. We'll 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 edit that together so that's the you know the way that it's you fine. initially we're phrased gonna, it. we're gonna ignore the fact that I was four minutes late for this. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I said I'd be ready as early as eight thirty. Nope. I, you know I'm gonna give myself an out. No, I've yeah I've almost forgiven you. It's fine. <laughs> uh yeah, and then and then as a quick aside, um. Yeah, next to the Molly Stones is that uh, Gots, which like has more seating capacity than Levi Stadium. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> it's it's, it's cavernous. Yeah, yeah. Did you go? You go there for dinner? No, because I, I if I, I that seems like a weird place. To, like that whole shopping center is weird. If I'm if I'm gonna get that instead of Super Duper, I'll just go to the Ferry Building one. Or like it, it has to be. It just doesn't seem like a place you'd go out of your way if there are other options. Like it's you're in like on the Embarcadero or you're in Napa and you want a burger, that's where you go. There are other better options elsewhere. Yeah. Basically. I mean, that, that whole shopping center is, I guess, other than the Pete's that's in there is outrageously expensive. It's like a collection of expensive stores. Cause I mean, you know this with gots, right? If you get a burger fries and a shake, I mean, that's, that's like $16. Yeah. At least. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a little bit more than a pack of spin drift at Molly Stones. <laughs> um, I mean, but, uh, the one thing that that uh, shopping center has going for it, I think that's where the um, the the Marin One Medical is. Uh, well, there's a couple Marin One Medical locations. That's one of them. Yes, there, I got an ad for that on the daily. I didn't know they were nationwide. Now, I didn't know that either. Uh, they have some. It's it's mostly concentrated in Northern California, but I think they have a couple scattered. Um, in uh, the other part of the country, there is also the the Pachis in that shopping center. Yeah, that's the worst Pachis. Um, I respectfully disagree. That's an, I think that's a nice location. Did I tell you about the time that I, I ordered takeout there and like they were super busy and I like there were some. Oh, how do I say this? Like a lot of people. There's a lot of entitled people that live in this general region. Um, and they were, I don't know if they were short-staffed or something was going wrong or people were new or whatever, but like it was, it was not a great experience and, and orders were super late. Um, and an order that was supposed to be ready like at like 7.30 or something, like it wasn't ready until like 8.15. Yeah, I've, I've had that exact same experience happen with the marina location too, though. So uh, the, the Hayes Valley one was always very solid, and that that's my only other experience with Pachis. For takeout, sure, but for sitting down, that Hayes Valley location is too small. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but again, little star if you're going for deep dish, or go fly to Chicago and get uh, Pequods. Oh, excuse, excuse me, not all of us have been to Chicago. You could. Yeah, I assume you have enough uh, um, the ultimate rewards points to go meet Sporty whenever you want to. And we do have that companion pass. Yeah, you gotta fly southwest though. Yeah, I know. Let me stick a fork in your eye <laughs> because you're in boarding group three or whatever. When you're when you're getting fifty percent off all your flights, you know, fork in the eye is okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, one other food thing before we get into main business. Send you a link to a tweet. Um, go to Slack, not photos. Oh, I. Mm-hmm, I've was, seen. This. Was this also on your radar? Yeah. This is. Yeah. This was on my radar. This is disgusting. You'll put a link in the show notes. God. Oh. Um, this is the Doritos Locos Taco of pizza. And I got to write that down. All right. Um, <laughs> sometimes I impress myself. Uh, yeah, this is disgusting. Because uh, uh, what's it called? Pizza Hut. So they had, um, they've had for a while. It's it's off and on. It's kind of like the McRib where they have the Pizzone, which is where they have like this weird 
like very Americanized, like bastardization of a calzone. But I mean, it's still edible because it's it's bread and cheese. So it's it's tough to go wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. So then they also have this, which again, like, you know how um, uh, the Oregonian is telling me to disable my ad blocker. No, I, although I so I don't like that, but I do have to give them credit for. So in this in this article, they ask, is nothing sacred anymore? According to Pizza Hut, the answer is clearly no. <laughs> oh, um, as the as the chain uh, has debut its latest food abomination. Well, d- oh wait, hold on. Did we wait? Back up or put a, put a pin in this? Um, did I ever tell you that that I tried the? Um, well, I, I assume we have because uh, this show's been going on for like eight decades. Um, remember when they made the hot dog pizza? Pizza Hut. Yeah. Vaguely, yeah. Uh, I had that once. Did you? Yeah. Not the novelty great. was there. It wasn't great. great. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Like again, like you have fond memories of childhood of like a of a Pizza Hut pan pizza. So just, I mean, it has a lot of goodwill in it, but they are squandering that uh, uh, with dispatch. So yeah, they have these things that look like if you had like um a couch throw pillow that was had like <laughs> um a, a cheese it picture on it. Like you know, sometimes people have like those um like dog beds that are this, like a slice of pizza. Right. It's kind of what that is, except it looks like a, a fluffy, gigantic cheese. It, it apparently just has a, like a metric shit ton of <laughs> cheese inside of it. Um, you know how, um, McDonald's brings back the McRib when pork prices are low. Do you yeah, think pizza, I, I pizza Hut brings yeah. this back when they just have an extra supply of cheese for some reason, like somebody, you know, screwed up the the cheese order and they just they've got a, a, a backlog of it and so they, they need to clear it out well yeah it's the same thing where um like two years ago yeah it was exactly that pork prices were super low and that's why bacon was in literally everything like you always have like because there's a weird chain like there's jack in the box and um uh gross carlos jr where like just every single like promotional or like um limited time burger that they have just had like absurd amounts of uh bacon in it because it's that that food stuff was so uh cheap did they did they rebrand as gross carl's jr that doesn't seem i i th- and then it's savvy. uh and it's gross hardy's uh east of the mississippi <laughs> it's like dryers and eaties um yeah so that's that's super gross because again, it looks like it could be a dog bed or a, or a throw pillow. So you're you're gonna be displeased, but if if this were put in front of me, I I probably wouldn't say no. Wait, the the guy that says of uh, uh, um a ginger snap is now beyond him. You you, you would eat a, a throw pillow sized cheese it. <laughs> I do get out. Well, actually, hold on. Can, can we pull forward uh, your your gross experiment with Starbucks? We can. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I warned listeners last week that whenever a gross-sounding drink, or really food item too, but we'll focus on the drinks here, come out, I, I, I feel sort of compelled, really for the benefit of our listenership, uh, to try these. And so I, I was at a Starbucks this weekend, and... Um, I, they had the, the big sign for the, um, pu- pumpkin cream cold brew or whatever it's called <laughs> pumpkin, cold foam. I, I don't know, whatever the one that they, as you say, they, they put in the pumpkin shell overnight and then, you know, put a dollop of whipped cream on the top of it. <sighs> um, I gotta say pretty good. 
<sighs> not something I'll probably have again like this uh, PSL season, as you would say. Uh, kind of, it would be maybe a once a year type of beverage, uh, just because Ugh. you can, you could literally just like taste the sugar as you were drinking it. So it's like your own private eggnog hell, like kind mm, of. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like you know because well, you what know does how it tastes the, like. Because if it tastes like actual pumpkin, then it's probably like undrinkable. So it has to taste like something else. No, it 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 really does. So I mean, you know how the um the cold brew foam things are there where you just get a cup that's got i guess just regular cold brew on the bottom and then it's basically just got like this float of sh- i don't know sugary <laughs> whipped cream so the, um, so the liquid is no different than the standard cold brew or nitro cold brew you'd get correct oh um, okay and then the the foam part you know they sell a vanilla version of this year round which I've i've had once or twice before and you know, it, it's so-so for the same reason that this pumpkin one was kind of so-so because it's just, it's just too damn sweet. But then, the, you know, the, the cream just kind of sits on top. So as you as you drink it, you know, you get the, the cold brew coming through the cream and then the cream kind of mixes with the coffee. And in this pumpkin one, the cream just tastes like a pumpkin spice latte does. It, it, it's probably like literally the exact same, you know whatever the equivalent of like a sourdough starter is for pumpkin spice latte flavoring. That's, that's probably what they put in this, this cream. <laughs> yeah. I think Starbucks has jumped the shark. Um, because you, you remember the, that they made a drink only for Instagram basically. Oh, the unicorn thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just, they're, they're, they're trying, they're both not trying and trying too hard. It's, 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 it's troubling. Um, they should like, they have a solid thing with the nitro cold brew that they're like way overcharging for. So they might as well just keep it going without making it seasonal. Yeah. It's kind of a hot take though. I'm not a big fan of nitro cold brew. Mm. The texture is just, I don't know. I, I want just regular cold brew, the extra little bit of kind of creaminess that you get with the nitro thing. I know some people are really into that. I don't hate it. It's it's fine, but I would prefer just regular cold brew. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then this is kind of follow-up slash maybe new business. Um, so did I, had I talked about it in prior weeks about my Synology uh, biting the dust or getting close to it? That was just an offline conversation, I believe. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I got a, a, an alert saying that there were some bad sectors on Drive, which I was like, well, how many sectors is too many? Apparently two is too many. Uh, spoilers. Um, so yeah, on, what's today? Wednesday. On Tuesday morning at 2.30 in the morning, um, yeah, my Synology started making a lot of noise where I thought like the power had gone out again. Uh, I was very upset that the, cause no, like I did not know the Synology got that loud. It, it was making like the same noise that like my UPSs do. Um, apparently it was telling me that, yeah, what, one of the drives on my raid one where I keep all my actual sensitive files. So I was actually uh, super concerned about it, uh, had died. So it was still fully functional, which is actually great. and was a testament to what the Synology does. Um, but yeah, so that died. Uh, the only reason I bring this up is that Amazon same day delivery. Um, I never understand the logic of what items Amazon chooses to make same day free for. Maybe it's just something that's like, it's in a warehouse in Fremont or something where it's like just super close by. But yeah, I was able to, uh, uh, get same day 
two eight terabyte drives um, ordered at 3 a.m. Uh, to my house and like nine hours later, they're here. So pretty, pretty good. We we must just be outside the range of that because we can only do free next day up here. It, it depends on the item. So like I, I guess maybe if it's a super common item or something that has good enough margins to make it worth Amazon's while. Because like you could do same day if you wanted to, but for money, right? Or same day just never an option. I, I guess I've never really looked because I always just go with whatever the best prime option is. And like definitely when I was in San Francisco, we had quite a bit of items uh, that you could do same day. But then when we, when we moved up here, it was just the standard, you know, barbaric two day prime shipping. But then starting, I don't know, three or four months ago, it seemed like more and more things were uh, transitioning to free next day prime to the point where. I'd say like 90 plus percent of what I order now is like free next day, but I haven't seen any free same day up here. Yeah. So I mean, that was, that was, that was pretty solid. Cause that was, I was gonna have to make a trip to a Best Buy to get the stuff. And then, yeah, I had two new, uh, Western digital elements drives that I was able to shuck and then get the, uh, the drives outside of it. So a uh, clarifying question, this synology with, uh, the sensitive files as you, put it I, I won't have you specify what those no, are no, sensitive sensitive meaning uh like all like my photography images like stuff where i do back it up maybe because here's the bad thing where i'm like i it's only when i remember to do it so therefore i only actually do like a offline backup like every three months so sensitive in the fact that like if like if the other one where it just has like my music library or like a bunch of like ripped movies and stuff that may have fallen off a truck like that if 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 that if that volume crashed i wouldn't care but this one i would actually be super bummed if um something happened to it so is it not backed up to some kind of online service do we uh, do i want to shame myself kind of so what does the synology literally has software that you run on it that just automatically takes care of that for you but i have two terabytes yeah, but I mean, on Backblaze B two, doesn't that still end up being like six dollars a month or something? No, it's it's um, it's a uh, half a cent per gigabyte per month. So I think the last time I had had it backed up, um, it was like about twenty two dollars a month. That I mean, that still seems worth it, man. Well, no, so I'm going to get back into that because I'm having to. Uh, so I copied while it was still running. Um, because in the Synology, I have eight. Or before I had six eight terabyte drives and two three terabyte drives. The three terabyte drives were in array one. Um so I copied all the important stuff onto the other array and then right now it's running checks to make sure they're not um there's no problems with the new drives and then I'm gonna do that. But yeah, I mean I do have all the photos backed up to Amazon photos, but they're the JPEG uh outputs, not uh the raw files. So I would never I like I do I do have a cloud backup of all my photos. It's just uh, I would lose the raw files. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that 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 is wise, but yeah, it requires effort and work and money. The trifecta of laziness. Well, but that's the thing. I mean, yes, I guess it sounds like it requires some money, but the setting up Backblaze B two with the native Cloud Sync app that comes on Synology is crazy easy. And like I've I've set that thing up. I mean, I think I have your old Synology. So when I bought that from you, that was like the first thing I set up. And I literally have not touched it since. I, you know, once a quarter or so, we'll log on to Backblaze B2 and just, you know, make make sure that things are actually ending up 
there. Well, yeah, but I, I, I probably implored you to do that because I'm big into the uh, do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Uh, much like the getting things done thing. Um, yeah, not what's so much the, what, What's the expression? If it's not backed up twice, it's not back. It, it doesn't exist anywhere. Something like that. No, I think you're, they're, they're, you're, you may be blending two things where it's the two is one, one is none. And yeah, then there's, yeah, yeah. but yeah. And I, like, I think I'm fairly backed up because pretty much everything I, I have in terms of like, if my, if somebody like, if, if I had a, have you listened to the full ATP this week? Um, I, I'm I have like 20 minutes left. So I'm in the, the Casey's iMac story. Okay. So like if my iMac completely died and somebody stole my laptop, like my files would be fine. Like everything that's important is in Dropbox. So I, I think my backup strategy is fairly sound, but yeah, I do. I would be really bummed if I lost the raw files. So I do need to uh, get B2 up and working again. But the reason I haven't honestly is because I don't want to give Comcast the extra $50 because like if I let that backup overnight and I have two terabytes of raw files, I'm going to have to either pay for their $50 unlimited use plan or I think I have one month left of you're allowed to go over without penalties or I pay $10 for every 50 gigs I go over. So that's, I guess, no, that the last time I thought about it, that's what stopped me or made me avoid it. Yeah, that would be, like, that would be an issue. I mean, if, I guess if you really wanted to be, well, I mean, I would say you could split it up between multiple months, but I guess if you're talking about two terabytes, that would take too long. Like it's, it's not that bad. Like, I mean, it probably would update. Well, yeah. So they just boosted my speeds. So I still have the same 10 megabits, bits, not bytes, uh, of, um, Upload bandwidth. So I mean, that would probably only take like a week and a half to upload everything. Oh but... no, I, I meant like you could. Um... Oh, just yeah, like a, well, no, but then I would have no bandwidth for the entire month. Yeah, for, like for all my, uh, like, uh, actually, I only watch one show on TV these days, so that's fine. What, what's the what's the cap now? A terabyte. Like uh, a friend of the show, Jason Snell, has resigned himself to having to pay for it because he's he's got a family of five and like there or family of four and they're. Uh, they were consistently going over like they just kept trying have at the end of the month having to um, try to stay on it when uh, Comcast would send you the alert saying you have 10% left. I wonder what my usage is. I don't I don't pay any attention to it. Uh, actually, while I keep talking, can you uh, do you know your Comcast login? Well, I mean, you have a you have one password, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Just go to Comcast.com, not .net. Click on my account and then click on services. Wait, Comcast or Xfinity? Comcast.com. Well, I'm sure you can do it through uh, Xfinity, but Xfinity tries to, like if you go to xfinity.com it tries to be like msn.com like it's some weird well, that's that's i think that's what comcast.com took me to but i'm i'm clicking on my account login so then i'm entering my one password stored credentials here it is signing in All right click on services um, uh, I'm, I'm, it's asking me to confirm some information i'm going to say skip that for now You've advised me to go to my account. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've clicked that. Services. Uh, where are where are services here? I'll do a search on the page for services. There we go. Okay, internet, manage internet. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then if you scroll down a little bit, monthly data usage, it'll show you the uh, current month and the past three months of your data usage. Actually, I'm curious. Okay, so June. This is interesting. Okay, so June 2019. 254 gigabytes july 2019 513 gigabytes hmm yeah what happened in july Hmm. (laughs) august 199 gigabytes 
Yeah, what did happen in July? I don't know. <laughs> and then in September, 197 gigabytes. Yeah, but September's still young. And I'm told that I have two courtesy months to exceed a 1,024 gigabyte or one terabyte in the business of usage without charge. Yeah, so I mean, that's a bummer. Like, I, like I understand, and I'm not one of those people that, like, because well, we might get to this depending on time, but, like, Pocket Casts change their business model just because, like, everything needs to be a subscription. Like, most apps that are actively developed need to be a subscription, and I and I get that. Um, But, like, I'm not one of those people that thinks, like, well, unlimited should be unlimited and, like, that kind of stuff. Like, but $50 is kind of steep when most months I would stay under it. Even though I use my inter- like internet a lot, like generally I'm averaging between 500 and 800 gigs in a normal month. Like, it, it just sucks that you'd have to pay basically an extra, what's 50 times 12, 600? Yeah, extra $600 a month. Like, that sucks. Oh, you know what? I just figured out what July was. What? I, that was the month that I bought um, the 10 seasons of Modern Family. 10 times 24 times 1.5. Yeah, 360 gigs. There yeah. you go. Because <laughs> I, um, I downloaded all of them, and they basically filled up my entire iPad. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so, uh, yeah, um, uh, shuck the drives, the, got the, they no longer include Western Digital Reds, but they have a white label one that's basically the same, just with a limited warranty. Is that like Johnny Walker with the, you know, different uh, colors for their whiskey? It actually kind of is. Okay. I don't know what, uh, what Johnny Walker is, but I've seen that there's the one where it's like the black label and, and it's pricey booze for some reason. But yeah, Western Digital has uh, Western Digital purple, black, green, and red. And then in their, since apparently they caught on to the drive shucking uh, community, they now no longer include reds in those um, uh, Easy Store or Western Digital Elements uh, USB 3 externals. Um. So I'm sorry for being a bit of a square here, but when you're saying shucking a drive, are you, are you referring to the fact that you're buying external hard drives and then taking them out of their case? Yeah. So basically, and this was, I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this. Um, if, like, if you were to go on Amazon or Newegg, actually, I don't even know if Newegg is still good anymore, but a Western Digital Red Drive for eight terabytes is going to retail for about 240 to 260 if you buy it in a uh, Western Digital Elements or Western Digital Easy Store, that's the brand name they sell exclusively at Best Buy. Um, you can just discard the uh, external like casing and just take out a standard 3.5-inch SATA drive out of it. And it's generally only 60% of the price. What? Why? Because they want to be more competitive with their um, external pricing and and because the western digital red drives are designed for network attached storage use western digital has found that they can charge more for those but they end up putting basically the same drive in those externals so it's just a uh, price discrimination and not in a bad way or, i mean in a bad way for people or for people who want to do that but like it makes sense as a business so i've i've heard of this before but i guess my surprise is the 
severity of the price difference i thought it oh was. it's crazy because like i was like i don't even want to deal with this like how much does the actual drive cost because like it's 3 a.m i'm like i'm even though i i still have sleep problems i was like no i want to go to bed this i i did not buy into this like i want to i want to go to sleep so i just was ordered as quickly as possible and i looked for like what is the bare drive cost and i was like 250 dollars. screw that um so yeah so the western digital elements one was 140 on amazon instead of 250 and yeah it's entirely fine that's that's madness yeah um how how hard are they to shuck uh i'm I'm very good at it because i've done it (laughs) i do it like every two years uh whenever i need to increase the storage of my nas so it takes like about 30 seconds and like a an old credit card oh wow so there's not even no screws it's just you you're literally just like prying it open well, because, wow, this is, we actually know this. I don't feel bad. This isn't sketchy. Basically, you do want, just in case you do get... Well, I mean, you, you, a, like, bought, you bought the drive. It's, it's Well, no, no. But the thing is, like, if in case it's defective, you... Well, actually, I'm sure... Actually, this... No, I'm just being dumb. You could actually test the drive while it's still in the external casing. But I guess my point is I want to disassemble it where it could be reassembled in case the drive is defective. But technically, I could use it in the way it's designed and also test it that way. So... Yeah. Tomato, potato mm-hmm uh yeah so um yeah synology it's solid the, the, uh, so i can verify the raid one implementation works like a champ if uh if a drive fails yeah i um knock on wood here i have not had a drive fail uh in my synology yeah and also this came up on ask atp this week uh but again if anybody's ever like i don't i never hear about them anymore but if anybody has a drobo like that's the only time I've ever had a massive uh, data failure on a thing like this. Um, so yeah, d- people shouldn't buy Drobos, and if you have one, just sell it and then get a Synology or anything else. We were we were doing the show when that happened, right? I remember that story. That was like in 2011. I remember I had I had an eight bay or a six bay Drobo Pro, and then they tried they tried to scream me on the warranty, being like, "Oh no, it's only warranted for a year." When I had like documentation that says, "No, it's two," so please fix it. Um, and I still end up losing like half my data and I was fucking mm. pissed. Anyway, I am on, I guess on a related story, mm-hmm. I, I have a couple of hard drives that I'm fairly certain have some like college papers and stuff on them. Cause I was pretty good about backing up all that stuff through our college years and actually even going back to like our high school years. And there's like a couple of quarters at UCSB and like maybe a semester or two in high school that I'm missing that I'm like 90% sure are on these two hard drives that I have. And I don't know, some number of years ago, like four or five years ago, I went to pull the data off of them. But I did so with like one of those really old um, little adapter things where you could you know plug the drive in on one side and then it was just usb on the other side so it kind of temporarily turned the drive into an external and then that apparently was defective because when i plugged in the the first drive it like literally like smoked (laughs) are you sure you didn't use the wrong ac adapter yes okay and then like an idiot i tried it on the second drive and it did the same <laughs> same thing because <laughs> you know <laughs> doubling down <laughs> yeah um and so now the drives i i bought a new um little you know adapter which works fine but the, now those old drives don't power on 
So I'm sure that the data is probably fine, but it's just the the board that's on the drive that gives it power isn't working. Yeah. Um so I've been debating for a long time about whether I want to bring those into one of those like data recovery places, you know, that'll no. take the drive apart. Drive savers and all those, they're so expensive. I know. There's actually one, I, I, I won't pinpoint the location, but it's, there's one that's actually pretty close by. Um, that's, that's drive savers. Okay. Um, but the thing that, the thing that scares me about them is they have a very nice website. But the problem is they don't list any sort of prices on there. <laughs> it's going to be between seven hundred and a thousand dollars. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of the number that I had. In my but what head. you can do if you ever want a weekend project, like if you're basically already like, well, these are probably screwed, and or like you, if you rule out that you would ever pay that much money, you can basically buy a similar like if you can try to buy that exact same model drive, you can just like take a torque screwdriver and move the board. That's basically what they do. Like, as long as it hasn't gotten wet. But isn't it, like, aren't you not supposed to expose the platters themselves to air? No, no. Those, uh, well, I mean, that, not, that's not the wrong air, side. But like... To anything. Like, it's supposed to be, like, clean room stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it's the other side. Like, the board is on the bottom. Like, the part that actually, like, becomes, a, like, a, the whatever, however many pins are on the SATA thing. Um, yeah. That you could actually replace on your own. Because if you actually have to like open up like the top part and then start messing with the platters, then that's going to be a, like a multi thousand dollar thing. And that I assume like I have a copy of our network neutrality paper. So the most important thing from your college years is <laughs> safe. Uh, holds up today. Um, otherwise, but yeah, if, if you can find a, another a, a cheap one of that same model hard drive, that might be a fun like two hour weekend project just to satiate curiosity. Those drives are old, though. I can't imagine they're still made. Well, no, I assume just on eBay, like because you just need it to be functional. <sighs> yeah, I need. It's been a long time since I actually cataloged what I think is missing. So I, I need at some point I need to go back and actually remind myself how much data I'm missing. It's not much, but it's like enough that I've held on to those drives with the hope of getting the data off of them someday. But then the I'm like I'm not like I said I'm I'm you know. Somewhere between, let's call it 90 to 95% sure the data that I'm looking for is on there. But I'm not 100% sure. So it would really suck to pay like even half the prices you're talking about and then find out that, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a bunch of like iTunes library backups or something. No, knowing you would be, what was the game people used to play? Like Half-Life mods? Seems like that's <laughs> you would have. Um, or no, it, it would just be, it would just be Sugar Ray's discography. <laughs> yeah, no, one? like, like I, like I said, my iTunes library oh, backups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what else did you think was in there? I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a Michael Bublé fan yet. I was going to ask when, what, what, what were his active years? When did he start uh, delighting the world with his music? I feel like I, I, I got into him probably a little late, but I feel like that was our first year in the bay area so like 2010 i was listening to him but i think he had been kind of a thing for a while yeah he's big in the hyphy music scene <laughs> <laughs> all right uh now that i literally can guarantee zero people are listening <laughs> want to hear about the iphone now because who who cares about data recovery conversations um i don't know put chapters in this episode
great extra work. Not, not, uh, not going to do that. Eh, what's it, what it called? Forecast? I'm sure it's easy. All right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Um, we'll talk about iPhone stuff and then we'll sprinkle on a couple of other things. So okay. nothing new has happened other than the review embargo being lifted and you you got your green phone. I or did. you have that mapped out. It's it's on order, as they say, and we'll be here on Friday. Um, you know, they through the Apple Store app, which is really the only way now to buy a new iPhone. The experience there is quite a bit better than it is through the through the website, um, because they have this thing set up where if you're an existing iPhone upgrade program member, you can go through kind of like this pre-registration process uh, in the days leading up to pre-orders going live because every time you upgrade your phone you have to go through like the same credit check and all that fun stuff um so they they get all that out of the way they have you pick the exact new phone that you want so that way when the store comes back online when pre-orders start you literally just press like one button confirm your payment information and you're done so yeah i woke up at 4 55 a.m last friday store came online i don't know 501 502 something like that and i was back in bed by like 504 it was quick well, yeah because waiting up is so last year <laughs> god that was such an infuriating image looked nice on an oled screen but um <laughs> but yeah i was not not pleased at that and i was very i, I was happy that i got the phone I was really excited about how um, quickly I was able to do it because I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to go back to sleep, get a couple more hours of sleep, got back in bed, couldn't fall back to sleep. <laughs> so I was basically up from that point on, but that's okay. It's worth it Worth it for the green iPhone. <sighs> so yeah, that, that and the watch are a UPS willing going to be here on Friday. A uh, quick side rail or sidebar on this um, that uh, this week's ATP kind of reminded me of that's kind of bumming me out because of the of the reports that just like uh, all of iOS 13, like throughout the beta period and also what the um, uh, the final release, like uh, like the, the, the gold master, that's what it's called, uh, like the one that's going to come out on Thursday where it's still like fairly buggy. I just realized that I either will have to upgrade to 13 and use a super buggy OS or not be able to use my new watch. So that bums me out. I mean, you have no choice because I'm not getting the phone immediately. Yeah, but you... no, because that's, yeah. So when, when you do um, an iPhone, uh, like you restore from a backup um, or they have like this, I, I think I'm going to try it this year. They've got that crazy thing now where you can like, just put like two iPhones side by side and they do kind of like the data transfer thing. I think this came yeah. out like in iOS 12 point something. Um, but anyway, any, any kind of uh, backup and re restore or whatever you're doing requires you to be on the same version of iOS. So yeah, if, if these new iPhones are going to come shipped with iOS 13. So if you're restoring from an old phone, which of, of course you are, you're going to need to be on iOS 13. So yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that. I, I had been thinking about that even prior to this ATP episode. And, you know, it it, it is what it is. 13.1, which hopefully will be at least marginally better, will be out in like less than two weeks. So that'll be fine. And like, I don't know, like the things like Marco's really hung up like on 
issues that he's having with mail and like i don't use the standard mail app so that's not a concern mm. to me i think it's that's where a lot of egregious bugs are but like if you if like the little time i do spend on twitter like uh, there's a lot of them like where like there's a lot of like keyboard and like issues and stuff so i don't know yeah but like like yeah the keyboard not working in instagram i don't really type much in Inst- I, I don't know i'm sure there'll be stuff that i do come across that's annoying but i'm not overly concerned about it yeah um all right so where do you do you want to talk about like highlights from reviews or go on to more interesting things until we actually have new things in hand um i think we can hit on a couple of quick things but then probably plan on um spending some more time next week when both of us should should have some quality time with these things um i think a lot of what's been in the reviews and like we'll put uh grubers here in the notes which i thought which i thought was pretty good um have been pretty predictable you know cameras are a lot better battery life is really good i guess like even joanna stern gave a thumbs up to battery life which is great um i know the one thing that sort of stood out to me though that i sort of caught uh late in the kind of review reading process is apparently there's a good reason why apple didn't talk about this new face id system or improved face id system on stage which even in the moment felt kind of weird that that ended up just being a little blurb on a slide but i guess now it makes sense because most reviewers are saying that face id doesn't seem any different than it did before which for someone like me who's generally okay with face id it's a little bit of a bummer but i'm not overly worried about it but someone like you who you know (laughs) slash you know you want to upgrade but have not had good experiences with face id in the past this has to give you some pause i would think yeah so this sucks um so because i still have an iphone 8 like i feel like i have to upgrade this year um, just because, like, the biggest thing is, like, had people not said that, oh, yeah, like, Apple was not BSing that the battery life is substantially better, like, I might have been able to sit it out. Because the camera stuff, like, again, like, the, I want the best camera possible, but the, the 8 is fine. Like, I don't, no matter how much people keep posting photos of night mode, which we'll get to, um, of how I think a lot of that's not, like, a lot of opinions about that are warped. like. Can I can I also throw out just a hot take that maybe we can come back to? Uh-huh. So I looked at, like, Jason posted an example of one, and then Gruber had a few examples in his review. I don't think they really look that great. Well, no, they're unnatural. We'll get we'll get to it. Okay. Yeah, we'll circle back. Uh, parking lot. Um, it, but yeah, so, I, like, this feels like it has to be an upgrade year for me, because, like, the iPhone 8, it's fine. Like, I actually prefer the size. I really like Touch ID. But, like... If iOS, like, again, like, because I, I enjoy mobile photography, like, I, I enjoy being able to interact with my camera on the go, and I don't generally carry my my iPad, so a lot of it happens on my phone. So having a device now that iOS 13, like, I haven't actually read many reviews from, like, a, a photography point of view, um, where, like, of how, because, like, iOS 13 has a feature where you can import and not into a specific app and not have to just, like, uh, trash your camera roll with a whole bunch of unrelated photos. So that's a feature that I am super excited about, even though iOS 13 might be buggy and has a whole bunch of other issues and maybe is kind of a meh release. Like I'm super excited about that. 
Um, where yeah, I would want a phone that either has more storage or better battery life to do that kind of stuff. And an OLED screen seems kind of nice. So yeah, I, I, I was, I was actually fairly pumped about the iPhone pro, the little guy, but yeah, but face ID has always been a hangout for me. And that's the reason why like I bought an iPhone 10 and then ended up returning it. Cause I hated face ID that much. I didn't, I, I sat out the 10 S because it was no better. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I'm just bad at it, but like, because Face ID will only try like two or three times, right? And then it'll force you to do your password. Um, it might. They increased that limit at some point. Um, maybe, maybe that would make the difference. Because for me, like, it would fail once, and then I'd be like, okay, well, fine. I like, I'm willing to hold the phone differently or like raise it up. But it would always try like a second time too quickly. And then it would be like, well, no, enter your password. No, no. Now I think the way it works is it tries like two or three times. And if it doesn't work, it says, all right, swipe up if you want to try this again. And then I think it gives you like a couple more times after that. Well, good. Okay. So then that might solve it for me. Because like when I, whatever iOS 11 or whatever was out when the iPhone 10 came out, like that was not the way it worked where I would so frequently, like it was multiple times a day. I would get dumped into the thing where it says, nope, never mind, too many wrong attempts, you need to enter your password. And I don't have, like, my password's not, not to compromise security or whatever, but, like, my password's not, like, uh, capital A, nine, two, asterisk, M, like, what, like, it's not, like, a garbage password, or, like, a, like an indecipherable password, but it's still enough where if I'm trying to unlock my phone while I'm, like, at a stoplight or something, like, it's, it's not something where I have 10 seconds to dedicate time and attention to unlocking my phone. And Face ID caused that to be a problem multiple times a day. So if that's gotten better, whether it's on the software side, that's a huge difference. But it's a bummer where Apple says it's 30% better or whatever, and it sounds like it's not really. That's, I don't know. Kind of wish just because the iPad Pro, not a device I have, apparently was so lauded that it um, has an amazing Face ID sensor that works maybe too well. Like I, It's a bummer that that's not coming to the phone. I'm I'm really curious why they can't just replicate what's in the iPad in the phone because I don't think the sensor array is like any bigger in the iPad, so it doesn't seem like it would be like a space issue. And presumably the A13 is it's I mean it's probably faster than what's or at least as fast as what's in the current iPad Pros like from a processor standpoint so yeah i'm i don't know yeah so i mean again like i sat out the iphone 10s but the 10s didn't they say i don't remember what the marketing was but like if they just said like it had faster like that like some something in the a12 or whatever the current processor is when the 10s came out they mentioned that face id was much faster not that it had wider angles but the 10s was supposed to be better was the 10s any better or was that also kind of a not really type thing it was a not really type thing. And I, I think if you go back and um, watch that event, they did mention it on stage, which actually in some ways is actually even more what they did this past week. But if I remember correctly, they didn't even put a number to it or anything. They It, it wasn't 30% better. It was literally just like, oh, yeah, and we've made Face ID faster, but without really specifying how much faster. Yeah. So in general, yeah, quick overview of the reviews. Yeah, battery life, apparently that's the real deal. 
and then the cameras. So yeah, this I guess this is where we'll circle back to to night mode. So it looks like they have very good cameras, and the consensus has kind of been that yeah, the 10 and the 10s cameras kind of fell behind uh, compared to the competition. Like the Pixel camera and and most of the recent Galaxy phones had better cameras on them. Uh, and apparently that gap has been bridged this year. Um, whether you go for the two lens or the three lens model, but yeah, the one thing that I will point out. Again, as somebody who's kind of into, uh, attuned to these things and um, who's always like railed against portrait mode as being like fake bokeh or whatever, like it, 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 whenever it got it wrong, like if you know what to look for, like it just, it just drives you insane. Where that's kind of the same thing I'm get. Like I get that the Pixel has had this feature for a while where it uses like a mix of computational photography and trying to be smart about long exposures where you could get much better low light performance using a mix of long exposure and um, software. And everybody is saying that Apple's is that, but even better and more realistic. I mean, again, I'm happy for any improvements that help people take better photos with the camera that they have with them, which is going to be their phone. But yeah, in a lot of these reviews, people are taking examples of what, of stuff that's supposed to look really good. And I think it suffers from the same problem that people have complained about Google for, which is that, like it's turning night into day. Like a lot of times, like these, like these look wrong where like, yes, it brightened up a really dimly lit scene, but that's not what your eye would have seen, I guess is, is the part that frustrates me or, or makes it not like, and, and not to knock on Jason, but I think he had a really good example. Um, let me see if I can find the tweet. Um, yeah, I got it right here. Um, put in the thing yeah where he I th he shows like a picture taken with like an iphone 10 or 10s um and that's the one on the right but like that's not what it would have looked like like it's it looks like that photo was like shot like at six o'clock at night instead of like 10 o'clock i mean I, I kind of have the same reaction both to jason's example and to the examples that gruber has because uh, he also gruber also kind of does the 10s versus 11 pro comparison shots and i i kind of feel like i would want the results somewhere kind of in the middle of those two images yeah like um yeah like you can do it like if, if you've ever like you had a dslr for a little bit i'm sure you at one point, like tried to do a long exposure, mm -hmm. like, and sometimes yep. you, you can, but like, it just, that's not act, like, if you don't do it right, that's not what it actually looks like. So if you're doing it for an artistic effect, cool. But otherwise, like that's, it's not an accurate representation of what the scene is. So like the 10s, again, in a lot of ways, like the low light performance was not terribly good. Um, and to compensate for handshake and just the, the, just the limits of the lens, a lot of times it would capture a dim image. But yeah, it feels like there needs to be a balance to because that's actually been one of Apple's strong suits where a lot of like Samsung would tend to optimize their camera software to like oversaturate a picture. And the iPhone, one of the hallmarks of it has been that it takes really like the photos look color accurate and not um, like super contrasty unless you're specifically taking an HDR photo. So, I mean, cool. But also the other thing, and again, I haven't used this yet is that like it, it has a little thing where night mode will automatically engage and it'll say like hold your hand steady for five seconds like that that's nuts like who i don't think it's i don't think it's quite that long but well it depends on the scene but it'll tell you how long it suggests you stay still for 
like in, in if the iPhone is able to do focus stacking and uh, stuff to make the long exposure, like cause no, no normal person can keep their hand steady for that long. So it, it's doing some type of computational processing that um, compensates for that, which is actually really cool. But I don't know, like that seems like too long. Like you're telling somebody across the dinner table from you to say, like, hey, okay, stay still for a full three seconds. Like seriously, don't move. I think that's that's a good point. I mean, if it's three seconds, five seconds, whatever it is, I, I think this will work for example photos like both Gruber and Jason have where they're basically just taking like static photos. But if you're taking pictures of people, that seems like that wouldn't really work. Yeah. So, and again, this is, this is the crotchety old person who's, who's trying to find reasons to justify like the effort they expend on a, a different type of photography. Like I, I get that, that that's going to like, um, color a lot of what I'm, uh, what, like whatever I'm going to say about this. But yeah, I, I, I think the universal accolades for this feature is, is kind of just overblown for that reason. Same thing where everybody's like, oh yeah, portrait mode's getting really good. But then you look at it and it cut off a dog's ear or like just where one of their ears is fuzzy for no good reason. And just like, do you think apple would have done this if google hadn't no i don't think so either (laughs) i don't want to get into like old apple versus new apple but i think a lot of what apple does these days is reactive versus proactive yep um but again i I, like i this could be a fault-free year for them because again they made a decision to prioritize battery life for once so i no complaints they can they they can do whatever they want you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna not complain about Apple TV Plus for one week. That's what they get <laughs> because it's not on the agenda. Yeah, I feel I feel kind of left out of the party because I, my general day to day is my phone just sits on a Qi charger, so battery life just is never really a thing for me. So mm-hmm. the the better the better battery life is going to be just totally lost on me. But you know. I guess I can still appreciate it. Yeah, like on travel days, that's when it really... Because I'm somebody who used to have um, either a Mophie juice pack or an Apple battery case on my phone. And just for bulk, like I, I've kind of gone away from that. But on travel days, I will have... Like I carry in my messenger bag a like a, an external battery pack for it. Like not like the case style. Just because like an iPhone 8 on a heavy travel day will not make it past 3 o'clock. Yeah, I, I travel with... Uh, battery packs including like the one that's in my away suitcase but i almost never use those like i'm I'm glad they're there but yeah but maybe you i don't know you probably strike me as somebody who uses their phone uh less whenever like to, to escape boredom yeah i guess when i when i'm traveling i'm not really on my phone a ton usually well yeah then it's probably getting great battery life <laughs> um yeah and then that's pretty much it so again it seems like a solid iphone year um those have been kind of the only observations like because the u1 stuff uh yeah jason had a good article about an interview i don't know if he would the interview wasn't with somebody from apple it was from a different company that does similar technology that kind of explained the practicality of it right right yeah but but that was um uh, illuminating and it was was a cool thing because just because apple's particular use right now uh, for whatever reason, maybe because the little um, tracker accessory thing isn't uh, fully ready to release. So they've kind of uh, been uh, mum about what the full uh, capabilities of it are. Um, yeah, so that was cool. 
Are there any other features for this thing? I mean, it seems like it seems, I mean, it seems a solid upgrade all around. So I, not to minimize it. Yeah, no, it does. Um, I think just to maybe wrap up this, this really does feel maybe like more <clears throat> than any other of the previous iPhone years where Apple being kind of stuck with the timing that they are, where there's, there's this expectation that new iPhones come every September. I, I think kind of, kind of screwed them this year because it really feels like iOS isn't quite ready. It does seem like part of the story was going to be about these little tracker things and you know those weren't ready i i I don't know it just it feels like this is a year where apple probably would have liked to have a little bit more time like i guess the 10 didn't ship for man that was a while right didn't that not ship until like end of october early november or something yeah sounds right but I guess other than that example, it seems like every other iPhone year, the the timing seems to be okay. Like iOS is in a good place. The hardware comes out shortly after the event, but it doesn't feel like it's it's been that way this time around. Yeah, uh, the the software story and hardware story are are probably a little different, um, and they just kind of because both. Yeah, I don't know. The the hardware seems really good. Uh, other than the fact like that the camera bump is really ugly, the hardware looks great. It's the third year they've been making the same phone, so they... But know. but the but the difference is, it's not like, remember, because like, I'm someone who bought the iPhone 8, because like the camera on my iPhone 7 started to get fuzzy. Um, the iPhone 8 was a very, 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 very marginal upgrade. Like, literally all it did was it was a little bit faster and had wireless charging. Nothing else changed about it. Where, like, I don't know, the camera on this one is substantially better. Uh, caveats about the computational stuff aside um and uh the battery life being way better which for me is like a killer feature so like i'm if they're gonna move from like a tiktok uh, release cycle to uh we're, we're gonna do three years with the same design type thing like this seems like a really worthwhile upgrade so yeah but the software stories is, is, is an entirely different thing well we will have lots more to say next week uh, also, uh, we're not going to talk about it, but you, if you can put a link in the show notes to the BuzzFeed article where uh, John Paschkowski uh, basically did an entire review talking about the camera and it was just all dog photos. So, <laughs> like, if there, there's no better way to explain an ultra wide lens to people than, uh, yeah, uh, a big puppy in a, in, a, in a hole he dug in a garden. Yeah, this will be in the notes. All right. Um, eh, do you want to talk cars for a minute? Yes, I very much do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> to to recap, you had the lease on your current car is up in December. Mm, uh, first week of December, yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems like the car search has been heating up, and you maybe have sort of a top five ish sort of list. Yeah, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to talk. Uh, this will not be very interesting, to most people, and I'll, you'll help me talk you through it, but. Yeah, leading contender right now is the Volvo XC60, which is fine. It's a good middle-aged person car. Um, but the problem is that it's kind of expensive for what it is. And also, like you've leased in the past, right? So you know how residuals, uh, residuals, residuals work? Yes. So the model I would want, which is the plug-in hybrid model, uh, has really, really bad residuals compared to the full gas ones. Um, which it's, uh, I think it's 47%. 
Why would why would you get a plug in hybrid version? Because it's cooler. Because I can charge I can I could charge at work. Okay. And also I'd be able to install a charger here that's already been worked out. Oh. Um uh because it's a standard one. Like if it was like a Tesla one, that'd probably be a different story just because that would be proprietary. Uh but like I think it's like isn't it kind of a thing where it's like lightning versus USB C where kind of basically every other car uses for the most part the same plug type? Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like that, I don't know. And it just seems cool. Like we're on short drives, like it, it gets like 20 or 25 miles of pure EV range. Like that's neat. But yeah, the residuals on it are garbage. Um, versus the gas one where it's like, I think it's like 57% on the gas one and it's like 47 or 48% on the, um, of the T8 model, which is the, the plug-in hybrid. Um, but the one thing I, I don't, and I think this was an offline conversation, uh, I totally forgot that, like, I thought the government phased out all EV credits, but apparently it's by manufacturer and nobody but Tesla has exhausted those, um, government incentives. So that model would qualify for a, like, I think it's $4,800 in a government rebate. Yeah. Uh, Tesla and Chevy are the two manufacturers in the U S that are currently in the phase out period. And I think Chevy's like two quarters behind where tesla is something like that yeah and i can't get and i can't get a chevy uh bolt ev because then i don't want it i don't want people to mistake it for one of those uh chevy cruise self-driving car pilots in san francisco because everybody's mean to those cars and i don't want people tailgating me the so. the bolt is is kind of a cool car but it's it's just too small it's the it's the wrong it's the wrong size yeah so there's that one. So that's the leading contender. And like, again, it's, it's nice and boring and I don't want a big lumbering SUV, but I'm also, I think I'm over the sed- uh, sedans for a little bit. So the number two is the Range Rover Evoke. Jesus. So what, what's that reaction for? I mean, you were complaining about the XC60 being kind of pricey. So it's not though. That's the problem. And that's the reason why it's number two instead of number one. It's not expensive, but the name implies that it is. And it feels like one of those cars where you can't drive it. Because it it feels like you're trying to say something. Okay, actually, yeah this this base price is lower yeah, than I would have like guessed. even if you option it out, it's it, it's competitive with the other like actually it's cheaper than a lot of the other stuff I'm looking at. So I'm actually, I mean, I don't know how much of my opinion you want in this, but um, I actually I, I I see the the evoke out there, and I I really really like it. I think it's a it's a very handsome car. So it just got, yeah, and it just got redesigned this year. It, the technology in it is outstanding. It's got, I don't know if you, if you look at the website, it's got this dual touchscreen thing, which I think is kind of funky. Like, I don't like when all, basically all the car controls have gone into touch. Like, Audi has started doing that as well. But yeah, it's a smaller car. It's like about 10 to 15 inches um, shorter in terms of length compared to most other cars. So for city parking and stuff, it might be a little bit easier. Um... Yeah, but I, the main thing is the name. Where it just, I don't know, it feels, feels weird. That's my main concern there. Hmm. Um, and then what else is there? I'm like, so the Audi Q3 is there, but that one, like, they just keep making that car uglier and uglier. Like, even though on the inside it looks fine, the outside, like, yeah, I don't know what Audi's doing with their current designs. And also it feels too close to the the car I already have. Um, And then, like, honestly, I would think, like, why don't I just get something, uh, like, super boring and cheap, like the Subaru Outback? Like, I know that's the outlier there, but it's dramatically cheaper, and it's a nice functional car. Yeah, the the Subarus are really nice. Yeah, so I don't know what to do. Hmm. 
See, because again, your reaction, which I don't think is wrong, that is basically... Oh, and I forgot. No, I, I think I skipped over number three. Uh, the BMW X4. The X4. I'm, I'm not... I don't think I'm familiar with that one. So take a look and tell me, because I think the, the looks are a little uh, much. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make sure I get all these in the notes here. Uh, so BMW X4. Model overview. Discover the perfect blend of... Oh, I have to cut it off already. Um, <laughs> this, this is like somebody took the XC60 and the Evoke and kind of squished them together. Or somebody scaled up the Model Y slightly. Like, I think this is what Tesla thinks they're making with the Model Y. Uh, scaled up the Model Y and... Sorry if you pick this one, but then put a ugly grill on the front of it. That's the thing. So hold on. Are you on BMW's website right now? I am. Hover. So click vehicles and then click on the um, the 7 series. Uh, the okay. Yep. It is the ugliest front of a car I have ever seen. Yeah, it's not great. But um. I, so I'm a really big fan of the Ford Explorer. I, like if I if I didn't get a Model Three, I think I, I probably would have gotten an Explorer. But F- Ford has made some just bizarre decisions with the the front end of that car. Like they keep changing the grill around every couple of years, and it's like every time they redesign it, it gets uglier. Like the rest of the car I, is stellar, but it's like just the ugh. It's the same thing with Audi, where like the grill just keeps getting larger and larger, and I don't understand why. Yeah. And the thing with the Explorers, I did like, I probably, I mean, meh. but also it looks like you're driving a cop car because every CHP vehicle that's on a motorcycle now is a Ford Explorer, and you, you don't want to do that. So yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, the X4 I think looks fine because they haven't actually updated it to do the whole new weird like gigantic kidney grill trend that. Um, BMW is doing on all their new cars. But yes, yeah, so I think it's XC60 or Evoke. But yeah, again, your reaction sums up why I don't think I want it. That's fair. Um, so like, people are going to... Go ahead. No, 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 please. I, this is I was going to Bre- make a dumb Brexit joke. But. <laughs> um, so like, maybe to close this out, like, what are you prioritizing? Like for me, when I was thinking about the Tesla, I was really interested in software updates. I was really interested in the driver assist stuff. And of course, you know, was was interested in having an EV. It's like, what are like the general features that you're prioritizing? I don't know, four wheels. Like I, I, I don't know. Like I just want a slightly larger car. Something that is still reasonably fun to drive and has decent in-car technology, which both of these definitely do. Have you looked at um, the Edge? The I'm Ford getting, Edge? I'm not getting a Ford. Uh, Ford hmm. USA, let's see. Because they, they completely redesigned the... I think we talked about this on the show. They redesigned the 2019 Edge, and they've got some pretty cool driver assistance stuff. Um, interior looks nice no i think i think i'm i was too scarred by the um ford focus hybrid cvt where this this car brings up too much of that vibe what what, what were you scarred by the ford when i was in dc for a work thing oh, uh, i i rented the right. world's worst car 
which uh, was the correct. Ford Focus Hybrid. Um, <laughs> or no, was it Focus or Fusion? I don't know, one of them. But yeah, the interior of this car has that same uh, weird uh, shifter where it's basically just a dial, like it's a Breville toaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I assume this car has a better engine, but that one had the worst transmission. And it was just, it, it again, it felt like driving a loaf of bread. Yeah, um, Ford is going to that dial shifter on, I think, like all their cars. Because I think the, the, the Explorer, which they also redesigned, has that same thing. And I've I've never driven a car with that, so I, I can't really speak to it. But yeah, it does, it does seem weird. Although I'll say, I mean, as, as someone who owns a car with a, what you would call a pretty non-standard shifter... <laughs> um, you get you get used to it pretty quick. Oh, certainly, but it's it's still this. I don't know. It feels feels weird. Um. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I um. I knew about a couple of those uh, options, but but did not know about a couple others. So. Yeah, the Evoke's a good looking car. It mm. uh, it's. I think. I mean, again, I I don't know how much of my opinion you want here but I, I think of the the ones that you've thrown out here i think that's that's the nicest looking oh can are, are you wait pull up the website again there's the one cool there's the coolest feature that it has um let me see where's the or maybe just google um uh evoke uh clear sight evoke clear sight clear sight okay so the rear view mirror, so in the, uh, like the, on most cars, they have like an, uh, FM radio or a satellite radio antenna on the back of the car. It has a camera built into it. And because the rear window on the Evoke is kind of small, the, um, rear view mirror has a mode where it can flip to being a high resolution camera towards the back of the car instead of being a mirror. So like if you're backing into like a spot or something but no just if, if like, like let's say you have boxes in the back of your car or you just don't have good visibility it just shows you a perfect view of what's right behind you oh and it's really well done it's it's super cool wow so yeah but it says range rover on it i don't know who knows so i, I i'm not like a super big car person but i feel like i've, I've kind of gotten more at least into like kind of car tech over the last few years but Range Rover is not one of the manufacturers that I follow very closely. So like what like what's their story or like are, do they offer driver assistance stuff? Like where are where are they at from like a technology standpoint? Yeah, the, the, like to to be more relevant just cuz like they used to just be kind of like the, you know, like the the rich people car company. They've uh, scaled down and diversified their models, but also they've leaned super hard into technology. So, of course, they all have CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, They have a lot of cool convenience features. Um, They have, I I don't know how much they have in terms of like the semi-autonomous stuff, but like they have all like the standard safety features. So it seems competitive. And if not, it has a couple of kind of gimmicky features, but um, also some kind of cool things with it, too. It seems competitive with the Volvo, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, the thing with the Volvo is it's it's infotainment screen. It's kind of like a reverse Tesla, where it's got it's basically got like a portrait orientation, like ten inch iPad built into the center console. Well, it's it's kind of like how the Model S and Model X are. Yeah, where that's it's weird because even if you have CarPlay uh, enabled you still see half of the screen is still available, which is kind of nice, but also a little jarring. 
uh, for the standard what's called Volvo Census, uh, S-E-N-S-U-S, not Census like the uh, U.S. thing. Right. Yeah, so who knows? But, but Volvo is pretty far along with the driver assistance stuff, right? Like they they basically have they basically have their version of autopilot. Yeah, they don't they for uh because the uh, the uh, Swedish are less um uh braggadocious. They don't pretend it's uh full self-driving or try to overstate its its capabilities, but it's a lot of it is competitive with what Tesla's doing. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right, you got any other uh, quickies before you head out? Oh, well, we're quick Apple stuff. Uh, Bob Iger resigns from Apple's board. That was kind of interesting. Uh, similar kind of when Apple started competing in phones. Uh, I think it was Eric Schmidt who used to sit on their board. He departed as well. Yep. Um, and it's kind of cool just like with, with Apple, like where they both, I think, are at least publicly. Like I, I assume Disney does not see Apple as a threat whatsoever. And I think Apple maybe aspirationally sees Disney Plus as a threat where the parting relationship just because Disney and Apple have been linked uh, for the past couple of decades in a really positive and mutually beneficial relationship. It is interesting to see him exit with very positive things for both sides. Yeah, I I, I, I don't get the sense that this was um, contentious at all. I think it, this is just kind of the the way that it had to go. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, Jason, again, a follow-out from Upgrade, uh, accurately guessed the name of NBC Universal's uh, over-the-top it's, service. It's a, a, amazing. <laughs> Just amazing. Peacock is a bad name. Or, I mean, I... I, uh, I, I mean, I don't, they, they I don't, threw it out there as a, a total joke. Because it totally feels like a thing that would have come up if on, like, an episode of 30 Rock, where, like, Jack has yes. to <laughs> uh, make up a, a new service that runs on microwaves or something right like yeah and also comcast has already kind of like bastardized the peacock logo by trying to adopt it as their own where i don't know it feels like the the cachet that that would have brought in 10 years ago is has has been reduced a little bit um oh and then that phillips last thing the phillips hue box you linked to yeah i was like super into this but then i saw it's 230 dollars, and now i'm super out of it and i know i sorry i gave no context to that uh, you know, like this has been kind of like a hacker or like a, a tinkerer's project for a while, but there was a thing where if you had like a home theater PC where you could run an app that would kind of interpret the colors of whatever you're watching and then adjust your hue lights to match that. Um, so Philips is making a first party accessory that does that called the HDMI TV sync box. Very, very well named. Um, that does that. And it does like an HDMI pass through thing, kind of like a stereo receiver would do. Um, and it's, it acts as a bridge or a hub for your um, Hue lights. But it's $230, where I am no longer uh, considering that product. Yeah. And it, it's uh, it also, and this is getting in the weeds and probably doesn't really matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. But like the problem with all of these HDMI splitters now is there's always caveats with them. And like the caveats here are what you see in a lot of similar type of devices where, so it's not compatible with HDR 10 plus or Dolby vision. So you, it'll still pass through that signal, but then the actual light stuff doesn't work. So it's just, it's, it's weird to pay all this money and then try to watch this high end content and then have, you know, 
have to take some some shortcuts in order to get your lights to change colors. Yeah, I think like both of us had the same issue where like uh the Apple TV like to get like Dolby Vision or of whatever it's called HDR10 to work, like it would complain about like every fourth uh, or like only one out of every four HDMI cables would support it and there was no rhyme or reason as Yeah, to no, why. It, exactly. Like I I have, you know, I bought a handful of just those, you know, Amazon Basics HDMI cables and they're they're fantastic. I have every device except the Apple TV 4K plugged in with one. Um, and I had, I grabbed some other HDMI cable out of my cable bin and that one worked. So, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I was reading, uh, the nine to five Mac read up, or I guess maybe I was reading the verge article that they linked to. Um, and you know, the concern, like on paper, this is kind of neat, just like in general, the, the color Phillips hue lights, on paper seem like they're kind of novel and cool but like in practice like the example they talk about is like during some kind of action sequence or something the lights can actually become a little bit almost like too intense and just become sort of a distraction so i would kind of i would kind of worry about that um, yeah, but the, the Verge's article said that they were set, like, there's different levels of intensity and they were set to the highest possible uh, setting. I, I see. Um, yeah. But again, like, I, I think it's one of those things where, like, no, you're totally right, where the novelty might wear off rather quickly. Or if it would be if you scale it back, it's, or it's either too distracting or not noticeable or a novelty. Yeah. So it, it's neat to see them actually make this more accessible because I, I do think it's neat technology, but the way that you set it up before was crazy. So to, to make it a little more easier is a good step. Um, but still like, then you actually have to go out and either buy one of their like, you know, light bar things or replace your lights with the color versions. Um, and I, you know, the, as you know, the, the special lady friend is very understanding with most of my smart home ambitions. Um, but I've been told in no uncertain terms that there will never be colored hue lights allowed in the house, which I don't think is terribly unreasonable. Well, sure. Cause you have the ones that do yours do different color temperatures or just different brightnesses. Yeah, they, they do different color temperatures. And even that actually isn't really by choice, but because we have recessed lighting in the house, the the bulbs that are kind of designed for that, they only sell in their ambiance line, which does the the different color temperatures. Which actually we we actually do enjoy that and actually do use that. So that that's actually become kind of a nice thing to have. It's not necessary, but it's nice to have. Um but the the color thing is like I think, you know, I mean obviously like Stock photos in general on marketing pages are are kind of funny, but the ones that stand out to me maybe the most of all of them are when you just look around the Philips Hue site and specifically mm -hmm. you look at images that have the color bulbs and like you're just you're looking at these like who the hell has their the rooms in their house all in different colors? This is crazy, so I'm somebody who has the color bulbs, and I never use them. Like, I think sometimes, like, the only one, the only time, actually, no, I do use them daily, but it's for a very specific reason where you can have, like, in my bedroom, I have, like, a nightlight mode where if you want to turn on the light for whatever reason, you can have it do this really, like, not jarring, like, shade of, like, yellowish orange. 
where it, it gives you some light, but it doesn't like rile you from sleep. But that's the only time they ever turn a color, and that's something that like that the ambiance bulbs would not have. Right. But yeah, but no, nobody's making their like unless it's Halloween. Like nobody's making their living room purple or green. <laughs> like unless you're one of those like if to people where you're trying to be like, oh yeah, flash flash my bulbs red every time I get a at mention or something like. No. Yeah, that that that's crazy. Don't 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 like I don't use uh IFTTT much anymore, but don't ever go to the recipes section because you'll just feel like you'll see a lot of people who really really need a hobby that is not creating recipes for their smart lights. Right. <sighs> oh yeah. All right, chef specials. Let's do it. What you got? All right, so I'm gonna send you a link. So I've got a show recommendation for you, which I know you always like. Send you the thing here. <laughs> and I also know how much you like HDTV. And this is a real HDTV show, not not one of the, the made-up ones mm-hmm. um, in that game that we played a while back. So this is a very Brady renovation, which is a series that started last week. Episode 2 was this week. Um, I mean, HDTV's been kind of like advertising the hell out of this show, so it would be almost surprising if you hadn't heard of this. Um, but last year, the house that the Brady Bunch shot the exterior, um, shots of the house that they used in the show, uh, went for sale and HGTV bought it. And so the premise of this series is they are converting the interior of the house which looks absolutely nothing like the set that they used for the show did. Um, they're converting the interior of the house into basically what the, the set looked like. So it's kind of a neat premise. I, you know, was a casual Brady Bunch viewer, like on Nick at Night and stuff growing up, but was never like a hardcore fan or anything. But I've been really, really enjoyed uh, the first couple of weeks. And it's 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 fascinating because they had to do a ton of work on the house. Like it's it's some of the stuff they do is just crazy. I mean, like the simplest example is the 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 house itself is not two stories, but the house in the show, like the interior shots anyway, conveyed the house as if it were a two story house. So they had to come up with a way to add a second story but without modifying the look of the house from the front, because, I mean, that's like, you know, kind of the, the one outside image that everybody had um, of the of the house. So it, it's 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 really neat. Hmm. It's interesting just because I like because they're not like because they're not going to give the house away to a family, are they? Like what? What is the end game? I guess. Like it. It seems like an interesting project. But what happens next? So I've I've very purposefully um, not looked into that. I'm sure a quick little Google search would show what they were doing with it. Because I mean, this this was filmed, you know, basically kind of like late last year into early this year. So I, I'm sure that um, it's known what they're doing with the house. They they've indicated during the first couple of episodes they haven't said anything definitive but they there there are a couple of um (laughs) a couple of things on the set like for example uh the jack and jill bathroom that the kids shared didn't have a toilet jacket what's a jack and jill bathroom it's where two bedrooms connect to a single bathroom 
Inter- I didn't know that had a name. Okay. Come on, come on, man. Never in my life heard of it. Okay. Has that ever been discussed on on Fixer Upper? I'm sure. I'm sure it has. Hmm. Well, actually, you know, I I can't think of any examples of where she's done that, so maybe not. Um, but there was no bat. There was no toilet in there, and you know, they added one to this house because they've indicated that it's it's going to be used as a house in some capacity. But I don't. <laughs> so vague. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if they're going to be gonna... like a CIA safe house or something. It's going to be very not discreet. My guess is that people will be allowed to stay in it, but it's not going to be um, like you're not going to be able to just go on Airbnb and, and rent this for a night. Like you, the, they'll they'll use it for like contests and things like that. Got it. Uh, so a couple of quick things. Um, are are you still on the HGTV website? Yes. Okay. So two two things about this. One, are you an HGTV insider? Uh, no. All right. We better sign up for that email list. And then also Lance Bass didn't know what he was up to these days, but apparently he's touring the house because he's a super fan. He, uh, was, he, he basically was going to buy the house. Like he, he had the highest bid when it went for sale and then HGTV beat him out. Oh, wait. Oh, so, but he's on good terms. I, apparently. apparently. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then the only related thing to this, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, you know about the the Flintstones house in Hillsboro, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what this made me think of. Like, I assume this uh, the Brady Bunch house is more discreet, but you know, the Bay Area has something similar to that. Well, yeah, I mean the the Brady Bunch house where they you know did the exterior shots is it's just in like a you know a regular neighborhood in L.A. I assume it's kind of like the the Mrs. Doubtfire house in San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Where it it, it kind of blends in and just maybe some tourists are going to annoy the people that still live there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. I've got I got one or two. So what are your thoughts on Authy? I like Authy. Yeah, I don't know. As more accounts have been moving to two-factor authentication... I'm finding Authy less fun to use. Not fun, but less less nice to use. So I don't... I, I, I guess I should revise my answer. I, I don't necessarily love the UI, and I very much agree with you that the more you add to it, the worse it gets. But I do love the fact that it's device agnostic. Because longtime listeners will remember I had that two-factor scare with my Backblaze when I stupidly erased one of my old iPhones without making sure I had two-factor set up on my new phone. So I like the fact that Authy basically eliminates that issue. Sorry, when you say device agnostic, do you mean that it supports Android as well? Or what what do you mean? Well, that it's, you know, you can just download Authy and enter your email and um, password, and it just reloads all your accounts. Like, there's no no uh transfer process because like remember how like if you use like google authenticator if you switched hardware you like had to go to your security settings scan the qr code and like go through the whole process of setting it up again do you have to do that per account or does doing that once bring over all of them you would have to do that per account yeah that sucks yeah um yeah, so I'm going to give I've been using this for a couple of weeks and I like it so far. So this is a uh cautious recommendation. But it's an app called Step 2 and it's very very pretty and insanely fast. 
so like the Google, like the two-factor Google Authenticator thing, like that's like a, an open source standard. I, like, I don't know if it's open source, but it's available for anybody who wants to make an app that doesn't. Um, so this works with all of, with that standard protocol. Um, it backs up safely and securely in an encrypted way to your iCloud account. So it is backed up and it is cross, it's cross-platform in the Apple ecosystem. And I know that's not cross-platform, sorry, cross-device. So you can also run it on your iPad. And the developer has made um, made it known that he is very much looking into making it a Catalina app or not. What's what's it called? What, what's the framework called? Oh shoot, Catalyst. Um, Yank a Catalyst app. Yeah. So it's I like it a lot. Like Authy. Like ever once I crossed over where it's I have more than eight accounts where like you because like that's the thing with Authy where it shows you two rows of one or two rows of logins. And then the rest of them, like they, I guess maybe they just got bored with it and they no longer update like the icons of any of the, of the services. So unless it's like Google, Amazon or Slack, like nothing has an icon. So it's a pain in the ass to tell which one's which unless you use search. So this one, I don't know, like it's, it's huge fonts, color coded, super, super, super fast. Um, I like it. I haven't switched devices yet. So maybe whenever I get my iPhone 11 in February, um, We'll talk, but yeah, so far I like it. Yeah, I, um, I'm i definitely going to move to my new iPhone before I make any changes with my two-factor setup. But maybe once I'm up and running um, on the 11 Pro Max, I will give this a look. Still can't believe that name. I know. Get jacked. 